Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Today, with where, where the dad's at? Where the dad's at? I'm a dad. For, there we go. First and foremost, I have to say Happy Father's Day. 
uh, it's a day late, but still it's important to, to mention it because of uh, obviously how important fatherhood is uh, today. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a three-year-old son. And I think one of the most impactful things I get to like refer back to every single Father's Day is this uh, fatherly advice. I'm going to start with this, and then we're going to dive into, again, as my co-hosts, Brian and David get here, we'll, we'll talk about financial freedom a little bit. But for those who don't know, my name is Raylan Davis. Uh, I work with digital entrepreneurs, and I, we have a little segment called Babs and the Boys. Babs, take a little sabbatical. So now I think we're going to call it, I haven't told the guys yet, but I think we're calling it uh, Two Men and a Baby. And, uh, and for those that haven't seen that movie before, come on, just Google it. All right, so a little fatherly advice for anybody in the room that is a father. I remember a while ago when I, when I first became a father, found out I was going to be a dad, I, I kind of freaked out. I'm not going to lie to anybody, all right? And, and mainly because of the fact that I didn't grow up with a dad. And I was like, can I do this? Is it possible for me to, to figure this thing out? I remember going to a friend of mine. He had five kids. Uh, my good buddy, Dave, and, and, and I said, what advice do you have? He told me he had two, two pieces of advice. He goes, the first piece of advice I'm going to give you uh, is an odd one. But he goes, when the baby comes out, don't freak out when the baby poops for the first time and it's black. Super gross, I know. But again, when the time came, I was super glad I knew about that. But the second piece of advice he gave me was, no matter what you do, Raylan, you're going to screw that kid up. I said, what? <laughs> that's not advice. Like, that, that's what I'm worried about. He goes, no, no matter what you do, you could be the perfect dad in the world and your son one day is probably going to complain about how you were so perfect. If you were, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, there's going to be something. So the only thing you can do is to try your best. And I really took that with me through everything. It's really easy as a dad, at least for me anyway, to beat myself up about anything and everything. If I don't do something perfect, if I don't say the right thing at the right time, if I you know, don't play with my son as long as I should, I have all these things I should do, it's really easy to start to get down yourself, not just as a father, but as a parent in general. And so being a parent is the greatest purpose we could ever give ourselves. And for those that have chosen to be an amazing father, chosen to be an amazing, uh, amazing mother, I just want to uh, congratulate you for doing that. So today, obviously, we're talking about this idea of, of, of what does it really cost us for financial freedom? Because we know it wasn't free. And I had a great conversation last night with uh, uh, my little brother. Well, I shouldn't call him that anymore. He's like 27 now. But uh, and, and there was this moment we were talking, and he was talking about how he had been struggling with motivation. He said, Raylan, I didn't feel motivated the other day. So, so I was really down on myself and I was beating myself up and we'll probably get into this again in a little bit, but I wanted to kind of go over what we talked about this idea of being motivated. Now I, I just had a curiosity. Is there anybody here that's literally always motivated? The chances are none of you should be raising your hand. There's going to be days that you wake up. It could be the greatest purpose in the world and you still will wake up one day and just not feel like it. And I, it's odd, and I don't know if it's like just how we were raised, or it also could be just because of social media today. We think that you should wake up, run out of bed, and you're like, I'm ready to go for the gusto. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to kill it today. Well, some days you just don't feel like it. Some days you just don't feel like it. And I, I've even made this mistake recently. Like, recently I was like, you know what? Like, I need a little bit of a pick-me-up. 
And so we went and, and toured her dream house. And I don't know if anybody's ever done this before, but we literally went, there's this uh, area in, in Arizona where I'm at. They have these new builds up and, you know, I was like, let's go tour our dream house. It's going to be soon that we're going to be moving. So I was like, let's go tour that house. and It'll give us something to shoot for. And so we go to the house and we're checking it out and, you know, we're planning. We're like, hey, this furniture would be really cool here. <laughs> like, we're literally like, we're in it. You know what I mean? Like, we're really fully uh, uh, acting as though it's our house. And I got back and I was extremely motivated. But then I started noticing something, you know, a few days later. A few days later, I'm still looking at the house online and making all these plans and, you know, trying to time out when I'm going to sell my house and do all this stuff. And then, you know, just yesterday for Father's Day, we happened to be in an uh, the same area. And so we looked at another house and, and then I realized something, probably if you were to add all that time up, I spent about four hours, I spent about four hours looking at a house that I have no intention of buying anytime soon. In the next year or so, we're not going to buy. And so what happened, right? I let motivation go a little bit too far. I didn't need that much motivation. What could I have done with those four hours? The work, <laughs> right? I could have done the work to go get me what I want. And so what's interesting is this idea of like motivation. I don't necessarily know that it's one of those must have things because all we, all, we all know that motivation is short lived. It's a short burst. It's something that can get you started, right? It can wake you up and get you going. But at the end of the day, if that we rely only on motivation, well, financial freedom is not going to happen for you. Because again, there's going to be moments you're not motivated. Like I think about the ultra marathon runners or even just the marathon runners in general. And I'm willing to bet that come mile five to 10, they're not motivated anymore. They were the first mile, maybe. <laughs> they were excited when they woke up, maybe, right? But as time goes on, we lose that motivation. So then what do you have left? All you have is the work to be done. The, the unsexy work, the, the stepping one foot at a time and it gets incredibly difficult to do, but again, it's not gonna be the motivation, which then brings me to what is in replace of motivation. It's the purpose, it's the purpose. Now I said this uh, actually to uh, you know some of our, our clients and team members recently, and I said, one of the greatest gifts I ever had was I figured out my purpose. That was the greatest gift, because I, I felt lost a lot of times. And I don't know if anyone's ever been here, maybe it's just me, Especially as an entrepreneur, you start out saying, hey, I want to build this for me. And then over time, you, you realize it's not enough. Like you, you have to be more. There's something more to be doing. And it's not, again, about the money per se. It's about, again, what can you do consistently and have a greater purpose for? And, and if you don't have your purpose, I said, you can borrow mine. Okay? And part of our purpose is to help uh, clear the path. It's to help clear the path. And what that means is the great thing about this idea of purpose is that no matter where you are, no matter where you are in your journey, there's someone that's like only a few steps behind you and they need you, right? There's only a, uh, there's a handful of people that if you were to reach out to them and say, hey, I've actually been through that before. Do you need my help? Would be like, oh my God, thank you so much for calling me. Thank you so much for, for reaching out to me. I absolutely needed it. If you're online today, there could be a circumstance there could be a, a series of trials and tribulations that you recently went through and you can get online. You can create a piece of content saying, hey, this is how I overcame this thing. And I guarantee you, you would have 
tons of people that reach out and say, this is exactly what I needed, or even better, maybe just one person would reach out, but it'd be worth it. Why? Because you cleared the path. And so when you have this purpose and you're like, this is exactly why I'm here, I'm going to do it. So then the question becomes this interesting dilemma, right? Does purpose find you or do you find it? I don't have the answer to that, by the way. I probably should have started with that. I don't know the answer to this, but this is what I personally have found for me is that you could wait on your purpose and maybe it just is revealed to you one day. Like you wake up and the clouds part and then there's like this huge big block letters, like almost like guardian or a guide to the galaxy, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and just falls out of the sky. And then now you have your purpose. Uh, and that may happen for you. And then be, uh, I'm really happy if it does. But in the meantime, I think you do find your own purpose. Try different things on. We just had some stylists here not so long ago, right? And they were talking about, okay, try this on, try that. How does this fit? How does this look? And that's kind of the same thing with purpose, at least to me. Try it on for a few days. How does it feel? Do you feel a calling? Do you feel like this is really what you're here to do? And if not, cool, put another purpose on. <laughs> Put another pair of pants on. How does this feel? How does that look? If you don't like it, put on another one. The beautiful thing is we have time. You do have time. And I mean, I always seem like it. But again, clear the path. If you're struggling and you're like, man, I really want something bigger than myself, you can borrow mine. And once again, that's to clear the path. Which, by the way, I, I will mention this. So up, up on the top of the link, this is kind of our part of clearing the path. So in digital entrepreneurship, there's 10 million things you have to do to clear the path since we're talking about it, right? You got to be good at content. You got to be good at offer building. You got to be good at sales. got to be good at email marketing. You got to be good at that. There's like so many things. When I first started two years ago, right, I, I was struggling to keep up with everything. There's a billion things you got to learn in order to even be decent as a digital entrepreneur. And so recently, again, this refound, that's not a word. Is that a word? whatever this this found new purpose i should say of clearing the path i said what can we do what can we build to to help people come to where we are right how can we help people even just a little bit and what we decided to come up with is, is putting together 10 tools as we call them templates swipe files literally we have a, a a powerpoint presentation in there our pitch deck the thing that we we help uh, uh in our webinars or our, our master classes it's literally you go in, you change colors, and you just type it in. It tells you exactly what to do, what to say, and when. And it was our way of clearing the path. Ten things that if you use today would, A, a save you time, but two, allow you to not have to worry about, man, I got to do this research. I got to look this up. Uh, I don't know how to do an email template. Well, it's all there for you. So if you need it at all, if you think it could help you, again, save some time. So most importantly, you can go and impact others. The link's up, up top for you. So what are the things that comes with financial freedom? Again, what are we sacrificing? And I looked this up a little bit ago, and I was kind of curious what, what online says. You can always find some, some great motivations, some great things online. And there's a few things here I wanted to point out, and they say that this is what it costs for financial freedom or just success, success in general. Before I get to that list, though, I do want to kind of start with this idea of what in the hell is financial freedom anyway? Now, again, I'm really excited because, again, my, my partners, uh, David and, and, and Brian Spizak will be here in just a moment. And I'm interested to hear what they say. But here, here's my definition of financial freedom. Mainly, can I remember what I came, where I came from? I came from the inner city of Detroit. Right? There's times where we'd get gas and the whole time I was like, 
hey, put five or seven dollars on pump three. Like that was us. And there is a moment that I realized I had reached financial freedom for me. And again, it goes goes into stages. But it was the moment that I went to the gas station. I don't know how much about now, <laughs> but it was moments where I'd go to the gas station, fill out my tank, and never looked at the bank account. There's moments where I would pay the bills, and again, didn't have to look at the bank account. Very rarely ever going to my bank account. And that was when I realized I had reached a level of financial freedom. And so what I wanted to want to start with is I do realize some of these titles, some of the things that we talk about in this room may seem like, ah, what is the point of this, right? Or maybe it's egotistical or, or whatever you may think about the idea of financial freedom. But it, think of it this way. When you get to that point of what you think is financial freedom for you, it allows you to have more energy for the things you love doing. How much time, for those that can remember, a time where, again, you're struggling to make it to the next month. How am I going to come out with this amount of money to pay this bill? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? If you can remember that, how much energy did that take from you? And when you don't have that amount of, of, of energy, how in the world are you going to be able to support others? How in the world are you going to be able to pave the way, to clear the way, as we just talked about, right? That purpose that, again, you can borrow anytime you need it. It's difficult. Like they talk about the hierarchy of needs. We all remember the hierarchy of needs. And, and if you can't figure out how you're going to eat, if you can't figure out how you're going to pay your bills, how in the world can you get to the final destination with the self-actualization, right? How can you get to the point where you're actually fulfilling your purpose? You can't. It's difficult. This is really cool. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was on like NPR or something like that, one of their podcasts. And they were talking about how they're doing this study, again, utilizing Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And they were talking about how uh, in some of these inner city places, like again, Detroit, that was actually where some of the examples were from. Part of it was the reason why an individual wasn't able to get out of the stress they were, they were in financially was because they were there in the first place. They were constantly stressed about how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And they weren't successful, not because again, they weren't smart, they weren't good enough, whatever. It was simply because of the situation they were in. And they actually said these individuals are incredibly intuitive, incredibly creative. Why? Because when you're struggling, sorry, we got a open mic. Someone's going on a walk. I can't find him. But what was interesting was they were like, this, these are people who are incredibly creative because you have to, well, I'm not going to pay this at this time so I can pay this. And, and so my point of saying all this is financial freedom to me is a way to clear the way. It's a way for you to be able to have more energy to do the things you love doing. And so if this wasn't your goal before, financial freedom, it may be something for you that you could reach for if it wasn't already. And so I see that David just came in. And David, by the way, I since Babs on sabbatical, I was, I was thinking maybe we call it this segment, uh, Two Men and a Baby. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Now, granted, it's not as good as Babs and the Boys, but it's a start, I think. David, you with us? Good morning. How are you, Raylan? <laughs> good, man. Good, man. We started a little early this morning, but we're talking about, first of all, happy Father's Day, man. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. I'm, um, you know, it's always nice to take the time, whether it's your birthday, first of the year, holidays, uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day, take the time to reflect. <laughs> And um, I did that as I normally do. And uh, as I've 
as I've said for many years now, um, I've I've had many many titles in my life, many, but none of them uh, can really rival that of being a father for me. It's uh, it's really an extraordinary experience, extraordinary gift, extraordinary responsibility, um, but. Days like yesterday are, are uh, it's just such a reminder for me of that and the opportunity I've had to be able to be a dad for the last, oh, geez, almost 39 years now. My older daughter will be 39. So uh, I've got four kids. Uh, all of them are just really incredible humans, and, um, and it was a, a really good day. So... Uh, wish everybody a great Father's Day. I hope everybody had a wonderful Father's Day out there. Yeah, absolutely. D David, actually, today, I actually wanted to, I wrote this down because I wanted to ask you about this. So, obviously, yesterday was Father's Day. Today, we're talking about uh, financial freedom isn't free, right? So, to me, the first thing I thought about was sacrifice. And I'm wondering, on your rise, right, on your, as you've kind of created such a, or an empire, I'm going to use the word empire <laughs> as you build. How did, how did you balance that being a father, the greatest purpose we could have and, and your growth, your, your purpose business wise, like what is that balance? Cause someone for me, again, I'm a newer dad, three year, you know, my, my son's three years old. How did you balance sacrificing one or the other? Cause oftentimes you can't be, uh, you can't have time for, for both at some, at some points, right? So how did you balance the, the two things as your kids were growing up? Well, first and foremost, um, I hope you had a really wonderful Father's Day as well. And I'm sure um, even three years in, um, you have a very strong understanding of what I was referring to in my previous statement. You'll find as, as your little one you know, at this point, uh, their personality has already started to reveal itself. Their, um, their kind of their strength, uh, and even some of their, amazingly, some of their uh, DNA. You know, that their nurture versus nature conversation. Um, you're certainly going to nurture them along, but I remember with each of my kids, by the time they were three. I already had a decent idea of where they were going or who they were, um, what, you know, and, and, uh, so forth. And so it's really cool to see. And, and as time moves along and, and they start to, uh, learn, uh, more and more, and you play a greater and greater role in the nurturing part of it. Uh, you're just gonna, I think, fall in love with them all over again. But to answer your question, I made personally, um, uh, mistakes along the way, um, as many of us do. It's interesting how there's, seems like there's a million books on parenting and they're all right and they're all wrong. My dear wife, when we were expecting our seven-year-old, she, I think, made every attempt to read all of them. Uh, I made every attempt to beg her to stop. Uh, <laughs> I really did because I was like, okay, this, you, this is just going to mess you up more than it's going to help you. And the reason being is that 
as great as some of those books are and the content of them is, uh, the reality is the baby doesn't read them. Baby doesn't know what it's supposed to do. Baby doesn't know that it's supposed to be this way or that way. Baby just does what the baby does. At the end of the day, uh, there is no owner's manual uh, for your baby or for parenting as much as there is like for your car. And and so it's a it's it's very much a, a learning experience. Well, you know, when you're an employee, um, or you're an entrepreneur, or you're trying to rise up from a financial perspective, there's things you could go out and learn. But the reality is the dynamics of your life are different. They're rarely can you lay them over a template and say they're exactly this way? So do exactly what uh, Tony Robbins did. Do exactly what Warren Buffett did. Do exactly what Jeff Bezos did. Do exactly what Oprah Winfrey did. It's just different. Um, your attributes are different. Your personality is different. Uh, the moment in time that you're starting your journey is different from their moment in time when they started. So consequently, there's a bit of trial and error in there. And uh, consequently, there's uh, mistakes that are made. And so I made some, uh, made some good ones uh, along the way. One of the things I try to do, Raylan, is to try to do, try to be all things to all people. That didn't work. Uh, I had a period of time as a manager early on when I got the brilliant idea that I just needed to make everybody like me, that sure didn't work. Uh, that was a train wreck. Um, I figured out the right thing to do, by the way, was not to try to make everybody like you, uh, but rather to bring out the best in each one of them individually. Let them be who they are. Just make them better. Help them be better. Uh, and when it came to this subject, you know, I tried to be all in, all the time, uh, everywhere. And what that means is that when I was at work, I wasn't 100% just at work. I also was really trying to still stay connected and do what I needed to do with my, at the time, young family. And when I was at home, I would bring work home and um, that didn't work for me. I don't know about anybody else, but when things really started to get better, it was when I took a couple of very intentional steps. One, I made the decision that when I was at work, I would be 100% at work. I'd be resolute, I'd be focused, I'd be disciplined, I'd be consistent about what I needed to do at work. And when I was at home, I didn't bring work home. I was all about my family when I got home. So, you know, there's conversations that you'll hear, articles you'll read about parenting all the time. Um, and one of them that I think is definitely a consistency is, is to be present. Um, and, it turns out that that's necessary at work too. We we hear all the time about the the urban myth of multitasking. It's amazing how that term took off. 
I don't know if it was the 70s or 80s, but it really started to take off. And it was rooted in and based in really nothing scientific. The reality is the human mind can only hold one thought at one time, period. Now, it doesn't mean that we haven't learned how to juggle as humans. We do. Um, and some people juggle much better than others. But any time that you are, quote, unquote, multitasking, you are experiencing dilution somewhere. And there are times in your life where the dilution you experience is a minor trade-off for your ability to be able to bring some type of attention to more than one thing. But there's other times it actually has a very significant impact. When it comes to being the best of the best, and I want you to think about people who are the best of the best of what they do, whether it's spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, health-wise, uh, they have a single-minded focus. That is a common trait. They only focus on one thing. That's it. Um, and so there's no doubt in my mind that that was a turning point for me. I, I have a hard time at times, Raylan, turning my brain off, especially at night, um, because it tends to go to so many things that I would like to do or thoughts I have, ideas I've had, concepts that just pop into my brain nearly every single day. And every time I've worked with the thousands of entrepreneurs I've worked with in the last year, those who are trying to do too much, too many different things, um, whether they're doing too many different things within their company, or I've had somebody who said, you know, I've got a video company, but I'm also, I own a beauty salon and I also have a talent agency. And I also, they end up being not very good or not very successful. I should say they could be good at what they do. They're just not very successful. So in my estimation, one of the keys to financial freedom is having the ability to have a single-minded focus at work. And then when you're at home, have a single-minded focus there. Revere them both. Um, be all in on both. And be able to focus on each one of them independently, uh, consistently. I hope that helps. No, it actually, it does very much so. Because I, I think you're absolutely right. Like my my... My issue, like as a father, as I was, you know, I'm building the business, doing all these things is to your point, not being where I'm supposed to be in terms of like mentally, what am I doing right now? And especially it gets really difficult where some of us, I work from home. So the, I remember the first summer, summer I started my business, uh, it was, um, re, uh, Ronan was home, uh, from, from school. And so that summer, the entire time, it was like trying to figure out, okay, well, I'm in my office. That means daddy's at work, but what if he comes in, right? So it was like separating those two things. But I think one of the things I realized, I, I similar to you, I, I did read parenting books. Um, but I think the two biggest lessons came from non-parenting books. Uh, one was, it was, it was Jordan Peterson's uh, 12 Rules for Life. And in there, he said... Uh, 
there's a rule that says, don't let your kids do something you would dislike them for. And that really stood out to me for, for several reasons, because again, we do this thing where like, we want to avoid maybe a hard conversation with our kid or and just sitting them down saying, Hey, like, is there another path or another, another way? And so over time, as they get older, it gets worse. The other one though, was from this book called gap in the game. And he details out Benjamin Hardy, uh, who co-authored it detailed something that I did. I was doing just unconsciously. So that how he talks about the gap is when you uh, are comparing yourself to a, a ideal future because it's not real. Right. And I was doing this thing where, you know, Ronan was potty training and sometimes, you know, he would, he would have an accident and I would get upset. Like we got over this a billion times, like he was doing really good. And I'm, you know, I would get, I find myself getting mad. And so I realized I was getting mad, not because of what he did or didn't do. I was getting mad because I was comparing him to this ideal son like he should be which is just incredibly unrealistic right and so there's this moment again of being like okay but that's not reality reality is he made a mistake it happens let's let's try again we have we have the next time to try and so what's odd about these parenting books uh is that oftentimes the most the greatest lessons come from outside of the box kind of thinking uh, but I'm, I'm curious, once again, David, from your perspective, what the hell, like for those like me that like overanalyze everything, what the hell does financial freedom mean? Like a lot of people say it, but what does that mean to you? And I think that some people maybe have a dollar amount in their head. You know, for me, like I mentioned before you came in, it was mainly just being able to live my life without having to check my bank account up for two seconds. But for you, I guess like on the way up, what was that idea of financial freedom? Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Was that even a goal for you as you were coming up? Yes, I think it's a pretty natural goal for most people. Um, and it's interesting, you know, it's um, when I was younger and I was really running hard to get up another rung at the ladder and another rung at the ladder and another rung. Um, I honestly never, financial freedom never crossed my brain. I think that we are product of our circumstances, of our environment. When you get raised in uh, tough circumstances, you didn't even know that financial freedom was an option. Um, you know, you don't you don't realize that you know owning multiple properties is an option. You don't realize owning a business is an option. Those are things you get exposed to, and the concept of financial freedom. Uh, when that first hit me, it was really about one thing, and it was about options. The exact thing I just said. Didn't realize entrepreneurship was an option, owning something was an option. It was really about having options. At the end of the day, you know, you hear all the time the concept with financial freedom is never having to worry. Well, the reality is, if you get to live life on your own terms, you're probably not going to be riddled with stress or anxiety 
or worry. And the reason is, you know, when you mentioned earlier, not having to look at your bank account every day, you know, or an opportunity comes up to buy a business, start a business, or buy another property, you have options. Um, I coined the term Liberation Day uh, years ago. Literally coined that, I wrote that down, made it visible. And I just wanted to get to the point where I, I achieved experience Liberation Day. It was liberation from stress, liberation from worry, liberation from not having the ability to be able to do what I wanted to do. Um, and so all that referred to just simply being able to own the option of being able to live out your life as you wish. And I tell business owners all the time, the goal is not to get to the point to where you could sell your business or, um, I don't know, borrow against your business or live off your business. It's really getting to your point for your business that you own all the options. It's like if you're playing Monopoly, imagine being Monopoly and, and you're playing that game and no matter where somebody rolls the dice, I mean, what number they get, they, they land at Baltic, yeah, that's yours. They learn, land on Atlantic, yours. Park Place, yours. r, &R Railroad, yours. Me, Could you imagine? If, if you roll the dice and no matter where they land, you own the option. That's yours. Okay, well, nobody's going to beat you in that game. So I think it's really about that. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I think, again, I think part of the problem is we set these goals so oftentimes and we don't actually know what the heck we're talking about. Hey, Braylon, and before you move on, when I entered the room, I mean, when I opened Clubhouse this morning, Breakfast with Champions was not in the hallway. It was interesting. Um, neither was business over breakfast was the normal stuff wasn't showing in my hallway. I don't know why. And the only reason I got in the room is the new clubhouse shows, uh, people across the top. And I saw Ramon across the top and I clicked on it and it said, join breakfast with champions. And I did. And I don't think it showed in Brian's hallway either. I noticed there's 108 people in this room, which is far below where it normally is, which tells me it probably isn't showing up in a lot of people's hallway. So I would just want to take a moment to ask those uh, out there who are part of this listening audience, and thank you for joining. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to look hey, at David, the bottom of the page. Hey, David, some other people were saying the same thing in the chat that uh, was the only way they got in. I couldn't get in. I had to ask you to send me a link. Yeah, I, I, I had never seen that before with Brian, Brian, and if it wasn't for clicking on Ramon's head and seeing that l new link, and I don't know, I have a feeling maybe uh, Clubhouse janked something up in one of their updates, but if if we could take the time to go out and share the room out in the hallway, perhaps that will kind of break through that uh, that broken link and be able to expose people to the fact that we're actually here, we're not we're not, uh, uh, it's not what it appears. Cause yeah, I, I, I almost just closed it out, but I thought that's weird. We can't not be having a room. Ramon was a spotlight for David. You made my day, Raylan. I mean, you can't make a brown boy blush browner than, than what David just said. I feel so honored.
Back to you, yep. Raylan and David. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, Brian, the conversation as I jumped in with Raylan is, and this is something that that obviously I, I, I think you'll have a tremendous uh, contribution to, comment to, um, because as an extension, frankly, of everything that, that I know you believe, work, health, everything else, financial freedom isn't free. Um, just like, you know, great health isn't free. Successful business isn't free. Having a great family isn't free. But what's your thoughts on on what is financial freedom, that concept that gets bandied about? What does that mean from your perspective? And what is the investment, some of the things that people need to do to get there? Well, you know, I think it's uh, the financial freedom concept is one that's always changing. You know, I, used, I looked at what I used to uh, see as a, a, an attainable goal and thinking I'd be there when I got to that goal and only realizing when I got there I was not there. You know, that was that goal was not going to be uh, the be-all, end-all, which would be, you know, to, to not have to work. Uh, if, you know, if I had X amount of you know, seven figures in the bank account throwing off X percentage of rate of return that I could retire. Well, all of the things that I was basing the foundation on changed, right? I thought, I would say a, a number, $2 million. And $2 million in a bank account, I thought a 10% return would give me $200,000 a year in income. And if I could get that, I'd be, I'd be set for life. Well, at the time, that was more than what I was earning. And so the, the target, uh, now I look at that target today, I'm having $2 million cash uh, liquid is a nice target. Um, it, it certainly wouldn't um, get me where I want to go. And the 10% rate of return at, at the time I made that goal was a pretty reasonable rate of return, right? That's, I think it's now not so reasonable as a rate of return uh, without risk. And uh, so, so uh, in, in fact, you know, if you're talking about a regular savings account, what are you getting, 1%, 2%? So instead of that- uh, Half percent. Yeah, yeah, so let's say you're risky and you go and you get up 1%. That $2 million is now giving you 20000 a year. You're going to pay tax on it, and um, so you're probably going to get about 10000 a year. And it's hard, hardly enough money on an annual basis to give you financial freedom. And so when you start looking at those things, you say, wait a second, if I have $2 million cash in the bank, that's not going to give me financial freedom. Then what is that actually? Yeah, I'm so sorry, but we can't hear Brian. Oh. Let's change it up. Can you hear me now? Thank you. Yes. Okay. So, yes, yes. Okay, better. Um, so, so, you know, the notion was that if I had $2 million cash in the bank, and this is, I made this as a, a goal when I was a young, 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 young guy, giving me 10% return a year that I'd have $200,000 a year in passive income. And I thought if I had $200,000 a year in passive income, well, I'd be pretty set for life. And the reality is I can't get um, a reasonable return uh, with, without some risk at 10%. And, you know, the risk-free return or the, the low-risk return is probably closer to 1% or 2%. And 1% or 2% is going to get me about 20000 a year. After taxes, that may be $10,000. And $10,000 a year is hardly what I would need to, to retire. And I think, David, the notion of financial freedom um, is one that is scary for a lot of people to take a look at. You know, how much would you need to not work 
to to have your bills and your lifestyle remain the same or improve. And I, I you know, sometimes bum out a lot of my young colleagues when I start forcing them to think about those things as they're buying their Louboutin shoes and their fancy pants BMW 5 series that they can't really afford and, and say, hey guys, what's what's the plan? When you, you know, that used to be you get 65 years old and you thought somebody's gonna hand you a retirement package and, and uh, checks every month, but that's certainly that dream is gone. So, you know, you ask, what's the plan? And how many months can you live right now? And, and by the way, David and Raylan, this is a, an amazingly uh, important topic to discuss now as we're potentially going into a economic uh, hurricane or tsunami. You know, how many, how many weeks could you go without a paycheck right now? And that, that answer will vary um, between us. But for many, it's, you know, it's eight, 10, 12 weeks. For some, it's two, three weeks. Uh, for others, maybe it's five or six months. Um, but imagine if you set a retirement plan to retire at 65 years of age and you figure out the amount of income you need for 15 years and you've got that figured out and you get to be 65 years old and you, you engage your plan, but you screw up and you live for 20 years. That, that would put you at five years with no income. How many of us could live five years without any income? Uh, if you really screw up and live to 85, that, that puts you at you know, uh, uh, 10 years without income. Now what? And these are some of the things, you know, I mean, I hate to be pessimistic, but, you know, that a lot of people don't prepare for. And at the time of our lives when we should be enjoying the fruits of our labor, uh, many people sadly are struggling uh, in, in, their, in their senior years. And so I, I would just encourage everybody to take a look at those, uh, those numbers. David, financial freedom to me is having um, passive residual income uh, that helps me to stay or maintain or enhance my, my current lifestyle without uh, disrupting the nest egg. And that nest egg should not be touched. So that, that's, that's what it means to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not there yet, my friend. I'm certainly not there. There's that, that's a, boy, that's a really powerful, um, everything you said was valuable and on point, but that last one was the icing on the cake. So it's, so it's interesting, Raylan, that traditionally we think of financial freedom in terms of what Brian said on the front side, which is, you know, as I, it, it, it's, can I replace my income? If I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a year, um, can I continue to live, uh, as if I'm still making the hundred thousand a year? And, and so people will think in terms of, okay, well, I need to go buy assets, have those appreciate. Maybe I'm going to get into the equity market, have things go well there. Uh, hopefully the dynamic of the economy will serve me well, uh, as it did. By the way, anybody under the age in this country, uh, any country for that matter, but this country I'm focusing on, anybody under the age of 35, 36, 37, has never experienced a downturn, has never experienced uh, hyperinflation, has never experienced a rising interest rate environment, um, has never experienced a lot of what we're experiencing today. And so I suspect that there are some people that uh, were cruising along at the age of 25 or 27, 30, and probably have a different mindset. Many of them probably had a wake-up call. Um, you know, it's different. Brian had mentioned in the Saturday sales meeting, 
what our mortgage rates were back when we were young. Uh, I bought my first house for something crazy, $73,000, $79,000. And I had no money. Um, and somebody had taught me how to buy a house with nothing down. And so I did. Um, I had not, I, had, I didn't have any money to put down. Um, I was able to assume if this was a, a, a judge that owned a, a, an additional property. I bought his house. I assumed his VA loan, which was doable back then. I don't even know if that's still doable today. And then the delta between his loan and the price, he created a second mortgage through a, a side letter, side note. And I paid him that money over four years with, uh, I actually had no payments and no interest for four years. So I had four years to let the appreciation of that house handle that for me, and it did. But our mortgage rates back then were 15% or higher. Uh, car interest rates were 17% or higher. And so we had a significantly different circumstance um, than we do today. There are people that will have a great retirement plan, even work with a with a per, perhaps a great financial planner, Raylan, and they came up with a plan back in 1985, 1995, to retire in the year 2022. Can you imagine? They launched this plan 20 years ago, in 19 or, or 1992, or I'm sorry, 2002. They wake up 20 years later, and all, you know what, hit the fan. They wake up right now. They, they're not getting 3.5% on their the CDs they used to put in the bank. It's a half percent. Um, the stock market is seems to be in a free fall. Interest rates are going bananas. Uh, and all of a sudden, their money is not worth what they thought it was going to be worth. What Brian said at the end, everybody, should be your ultimate goal. And that is... If you stopped working tomorrow, well, start with this. Can you imagine that everything you purchased this month from your mortgage payment, car payment, utilities, food, and any discretionary item came from free cash flow, free cash flow. Our friend Grant Cardone, who many people misunderstand, they say, oh, my God, the guy's flaunty. He's got this jet. He's got the helicopters. He's got this. He's got that. You know, Grant had shared with me <clears throat> quite a while ago that, he, and this guy is so, as you know, Brian, he is so ridiculously disciplined. The reality is you may not realize everything that he purchase, purchases, he does so with free cash flow. If it he don't got, flow, I don't go. That's, real That's right. That's, <clears throat> That's his belief system. If if he cannot buy it from cash flow from one of his businesses, he doesn't buy it. It's just the way it is. And he was like that 20 years ago when he had no money. And he's like that today. So there's a clue in there. Success leaves clues. The clue is your mindset is going to drive your outcome. And if your mindset is to... Uh, I was talking to a young guy, I don't know, a month ago, 
what he what he dropped out of college after two years, uh, he felt like the right thing to do was to go acquire assets somehow. So he lived on no money. I mean, he just learned to live on virtually nothing. And he saved every dollar he had to buy an asset. And once he bought that asset, he didn't say, okay, I'm there. Like Brian, Brian was alluding to plans change. He didn't say I'm there. He said, I, I got to do it again to buy another asset. And so he did it again. Today, at the age of 30, uh, he makes $1.5 million. He made net, net, net last year. And he drives a Ford Focus with 180,000 miles on it. My friend, Stephen John, if any of you have young kids, they've probably heard of a character named Blippy on YouTube. And he created this character when he was 27 years old after getting out of the Air Force, went to film school at UCLA, saw his nephew watching, two-year-old, three-year-old nephew, constantly wanting to watch tractor videos. It was just tractors uh, with music behind it. He said, I could do that. So he carefully crafts this character, Blippy, starts making his own videos. Hits a million views after year one. Oh, well over 100 million views by year two and over a billion by year three. And he tells me, uh, when we first met, it was in year two. By year three, he's making $9.5 million. Brian, check out this this EBITDA. I mean, this net to gross. He grows $10 million that year on YouTube, and he netted 9.5. Uh, 95% net to gross, or net to that, seven. That, that, net to gross. That, that dog will hunt. That, that dog, dog will hunt. Will so move. you'll love this, Brian. He bought a condo. He moved from uh, his small town in, near Spokane, uh, where his he had been brought up uh, by his dad and mom, teaching him to save money. And his dad owned about fifteen or twenty homes in the in the in the small town where they lived, and he rented them out. And that's what this guy thought he was going to do. As he started to make a ton of money, he used that money to start buying real estate. He bought all of his houses for cash. He bought his condo in Vegas. He moved down there for cash. He then bought an office building for cash. The guy had zero debt, not even on his assets, no debt. And when he's making $10 million a year, he was driving a 2000 Dodge pickup, Burgundy Dodge pickup, which he even featured in some videos. And he was driving a 19, I don't know, 85 Toyota Celica. Extraordinary. Somebody, I heard somebody say online something I thought was pretty profound. It's kind of obvious, but profound. If you have no debt, you can't go bankrupt. And, and, and so, you know, that's, you know, I, I always like to think that big picture, what's the worst thing that can happen? And if we're talking about financially, it'd be bankruptcy. You can't go bankrupt if you have no debt. So, uh, you know, I, when I heard, that he bought an apartment in Vegas. I thought, well, you know, that's where the end starts. No, it'd probably be destiny. She'd probably be named Destiny. <laughs> but, 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 you know, because she would ruin your destiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and in fact, you know, Vegas has done that to a number of smart people. But, you know, listen, he chose a different path than his parents did uh, and his parents seemed like that they were 
uh, but it, it chose a different path. You know, David, something else you said, though, sort of struck me and it reminded me when you were talking about the 80s and the 90s. Uh, and many of our uh, people that listen to us in the morning don't remember those days when interest rates were 19, 20 percent. And there were those speaking that we may be returning to that. And in fact, you know, the policies that are going on right now are not unlike the policies uh, of, of Jimmy Carter. And, you know, those those policies to get tamed uh, takes interest rates. But more the point that I was, what I was going after is. The best of plants by the smartest of people can be off the rails by change in uh, economics, change in policy, governmental policies. You look at Reagan uh, cut the, the tax rate from 70 percent down to, I think, you know, 30, 38, 39 percent federal tax rate. Um, and uh, so he changed the deductibility of mortgages. And you can you're limited to, to your primary residence and one other. So when people would talk about, you know, the taxes are low now and they used to be so much higher and they should be higher, they, they were in fact higher. Um, uh, the tax rate was, you know, 70% or even higher, but we collected less tax revenue because all the people that had assets and wealth were able to take a 100% deduction on interest rates for mortgages. So a young guy, uh, like me, went out and bought many houses when I was a kid, David. Maybe something you didn't know, but when I was started buying a house every month with the excess income that I had, and a buddy of mine and I had about 20 houses. And at that time, you could write off the entire interest on all the mortgages. And uh, even though the tax rate was whatever it was, 70%, we, we, we had the luxury of paying legally no federal income taxes. And Reagan, who's, you know, uh, was told to be helping the rich. Well, what he actually did was he lowered the marginal tax rate, opened up the economy, but took away a lot of the loopholes that people that were wealthy were able to use. I didn't know any better. And when when TRA, the Tax Reform Act of 86, started to kick in, people started dumping investment real estate just as I was buying investment real estate. And I got clobbered in the last year of TRA, which was, I think, 89 or 90, I, I got absolutely clobbered as all the REITs, uh, the real estate investments trust funds dumped the last of their investment property and the properties that I had went down significantly in value. And while many people talk about the 2008 recession, whatever we feel the night we experienced in 2008. And so, you know, I, I think it's time for, you know, for us to buckle up and pay attention to what's going on in both the economic and the political climate. So <clears throat> really quickly, Brian and David, we mentioned something briefly I wanted to come back to, which is kind of the cost, if you will, of financial freedom. And part of that, we mentioned Grant Cardone. And, and David, you said something along the lines of like the fact that he's incredibly misunderstood. And that's, I think, another one of those things, those sacrifices that we have to kind of give up is the is being understood a little bit on that pursuit especially when you have a message to kind of put out there right like i think about you know um even even myself i, I just recently experienced this where somebody on, on one of my posts where i was talking about this idea of, of being in the present moment and how when we're constantly in the future which is this is a eckhart tolle kind of uh lesson where you're constantly in the future you're you have anxiousness you have anxiety and then you're constantly in the past you have depression and so anyway, I made this post and somebody lit, uh, had this idea of me that I'm very much about 
no feelings, no emotions, which is couldn't be farther from the truth. It's about, again, it's about understanding your emotions, but then responding, depending on it. And so even me, someone that's, again, early on comparatively to you two, to this entrepreneur journey, I'm already being misunderstood. So is that part of the journey? Is that part of kind of something we can expect that as you grow, as you're approaching that financial freedom, as you're putting out more and more lessons out there that you inevitably, you have to get comfortable with being misunderstood. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah ahead, misunderstood. If you're, if you're looking to get uh, sympathy from people or have the collective uh, uh, community around you supporting what you're doing, you, you sometimes you have to leave behind some of your friends. You know, you, when you say, no, I can't, I'm not going to do this tonight. I got to do that. You know, I think investing is really right. Doing without today to have a little bit more tomorrow. And that, that's time, that's everything else. So Raylan, as you're taking that money and putting it in that magical box and burying that box in the ground to use later in life, other people are doing things today with that money. They're enjoying it maybe a little bit differently. And I think as you start to get some traction and you have that discipline, that not everybody's going to be happy about that. And you have to really silence silence those voices out. I, you know, I, I've known many people like Grant, like David, like yourself, they just work, 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 work. And you got to be careful of those voices that are saying, slow down, take some time for yourself. You deserve it. Uh, you know, and a man or a woman on a mission is sort of uh, impervious to those voices uh, of the other people, because we know it's really just, uh, unless you're being completely reckless with your discipline, that's uh, doing without today is the price you pay for having a little bit more tomorrow. And I was going to say, Raylan, too, and I agree with what Brian just said. It's interesting how as you go through your journey, you will find that the dynamic of your relationships will shift. People that were in your life at the age of uh, 19 or 20 or 25 may not be in your life at all, or they would have receded in terms of how often you see them by the time you're 30 or 35. Um, and it's for the reason that Brian mentioned, it's discomfort. Um, I, I, I have a quote that is, um, people try to slow you down when they can't keep up. And I think that's, I really think that's true. Um, I remember a friend of mine who was trying to quit smoking years ago, decades ago. It, it he noticed that, that whenever he told somebody he was, he was quitting smoking, um, they would invariably offer him a cigarette. Uh, one or more of his friends who also smoked would offer him a cigarette. Um, and it's like, well, if they can't quit, I don't want you to quit. You know, I don't want to lose that smoking buddy. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep you on the mix here. Um, and you, second thing is you have to be resolute. You have to make a decision to be resolute. And when you do that, that means you're choosing a side. And uh, when you do that, uh, you're going to find that, that there's another side. And I mean, if you go onto YouTube, guys, you literally could find a YouTube uh, somewhere, I'm sure, of a, probably a two or three-year-old toddler with a puppy. And there's going to be some kind of vitriol, some kind of comment where somebody trolled and hated that thing, if you can imagine. Um, there are people out there that are just that way. First and foremost, there are people out there 
that are just very negative in nature. There are people out there that are destructive. There are people out there that um, don't find anything great in somebody accomplishing something good. There are people out there that will not agree with your perspective or point of view. And it's going to test you. I really believe it's going to test you. There are people that are labeled friends, call themselves friends today, that are going to reveal themselves as not really being that good of a friend tomorrow. And if you shift your plans based on a comment on a video, comment on a post, based on the fact that a friend's decided to reveal themselves in a way that says either you choose me or you choose the life you want, then make no mistake, you should choose the life you want and leave that quote unquote friend behind, in my opinion. That's that's such a great point, Dave. And I think a lot of us go on get I think a lot of us too are starting to see, you know, people shine their their true colors. And I think the other part of it too is like uh, to your point, to some degree, it's a question of when you put something out like that, like I did, right? And you get maybe a negative response from people. It really makes you go, okay, well, how much do I believe in this? And in that case, obviously, I very much did. And I fought back. And the, and the reason being is simply because in my view, my role is is to help somebody. I think about that's a message that I want would have wanted to heard, uh, wanted to hear when I was you know, a little bit younger, but I do want to go over to Nisha, who's been on the stage for a little bit, a good friend of ours, uh, of the show. And I'm curious, Nisha, from your perspective, you're someone that balances, that constantly has to balance the, the, the kids, the, the business, the constantly empowering others, like on your road to financial freedom, what are some things that maybe you've had to sacrifice to get to, to where you are and, and, and some lessons based on what we've talked about, uh, so far, Nisha. Well, first of all, thanks, Raylan, and um, happy uh, Father's Day to you all um, yet again. Um, and I just want to say, I think great discussion for me. Oh, there have been so many lessons, right? Like I come from a single parent household, um, a lot of things just not really taught. Right. And so a lot of lessons learned me and my mom kind of learned together on the journey. And so now. As a mom, as a wife, there are things that I have to, I've been intentional about when it comes to like finances, right? A, I think in having kids, I've wanted to make sure that I leave something for them, right? I'm always thinking about their future and what I'm able to leave uh, for them. And so um, in addition to that, the life that we are creating for them is based upon a lot of things that teach them about how to be financially sound. Like even now, my daughter, for example, she got money from the tooth fairy. Um, and so she's had like a couple of teeth um, to, to fall out within the last uh, year. So she's accumulated, I think she has like $15. And so in her mind, she's like, she's like balling, right? She has a lot of, <laughs> she has a lot of money and she's saving it because she wants this little um, like a new Barbie doll or something. And I've told her, I'm like, well, the Barbie doll costs this much money. What you could do is you could save this and like keep adding to it. Maybe you can do some chores around the house and then you can essentially get more money. And then maybe you can buy two of these dolls, you know, at some point, or maybe you can just put it away and, and watch your money grow. And so we found like ways that are simple to, to teach them about money as well. And so for me, 
there are a lot of things that I've learned in terms of just being able to be financially free in terms, I don't do debt, right? And so I, I like pay things off. Um, and then I also, I, I do leverage credit. I, I, I believe that there, there are some great things about credit. So I have, you know, American Express and I have other, other cards, but I pay everything off, everything off not just my American Express, but even other cards that I have at the end of the month, right? But then I travel with all of the points that I accrue. And so my husband and I actually have a staycation plan that is essentially free 99 because of points that I've accumulated. And so I found some cool ways um, to be able to make sure that I'm being fiscally responsible for myself and my family, but I'm also able to enjoy the benefits of some of the things that I've learned. And so I think that we have to have discipline. We have to have the willingness to learn. We have to have the willingness to break generational curses that have us overspending um, because there's no freedom there, right? And so once we understand that freedom um, comes from us understanding that we do have to have that level of discipline and we have to be financially sound and we have to make sure that we have something for the long term for not just ourselves, but for our family, um, I think then that's where the growth is. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of the discussion. Um, and I just want to say, Raylan, I'm super excited about your entrepreneur, entrepreneur toolbox. I just saw the link and I, I definitely want to get it. And I think any type of resources that we can have um, to support each other on our entrepreneurial journeys, we need to definitely do that. So congratulations to you, brother. Turning it back over to you. Thank you, Nisha. And like I mentioned before, it's it's all about paving the way for other people. And to be honest with you, a lot of times everybody learns stuff and it takes you forever to do it. And it's only up to you to kind of give back and, and make sure it takes somebody a little bit less time. But guys, this all this training stuff, right? That uh, people who, who offer and provide because you're going to be really busy because the poop's going to hit the fan. And right now, like in my industry, in the autos right now, dealers are making lots of money. There's supply tightening, tightening, which has caused margin expansion instead of margin compression. And so eh, I don't need some training. I'm doing just fine. But that, that's, that's all about to get turned on its head. And what's going to happen for the, the young folks right now who are kind of dissatisfied with what's going on and don't realize that for the past 15 years it's been raining money on them? There are a lot of people that it's been raining money on and haven't put the buckets out and caught any of it. And when that rain stops, I, I think we're gonna see some real difficulties hit the, the economy. And it's gonna hit the young, the poor, and the elderly very hard. And I'm not here to, to crap anybody out, but I'm saying it's, you know, the British are coming, the British are coming, time to prepare, time to get serious, time to get those calluses on your hands, time to dig in. You know, everybody's staring at their hand and uh, and having their Zen moments and saying, well, you know, I'll go to work a little bit later. I'll, you know, I don't really want to go back into the office, so I'm just going to chill. And man, I, I think uh, that those times uh, are not going to last too much longer. In fact, in many ways, they're already over. Brian, it's so great that you just too. mentioned that too, David. Sorry about that, but it's like the 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 skills business is one of those that that you're never skills are never out of style and there's always more to learn there's always more to gain and especially too with brian with you two and, and david and sales it's one of those things that sales is one of those skills that will never go out of style style everyone always needs that skill set david go ahead well i was going to say Raylan, um it's true 
but in my estimation, there's, there is also going to be a lot of coaches that come up short. Um, for the simple reason being, uh, you can't teach what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. You can't teach what you don't know. And as I, I said earlier, people under the age of 36 have never been through this. So if they're a coach under the age of 36, they've never been through it. That that doesn't mean that they can't necessarily guide somebody through rocky waters because if they came up in a family who allowed them to uh, to learn how to navigate early on, who had that DNA, um, they're going to take that with them. Um, and so you can pass it along. But if you haven't been through that, you need to acquire that. So as a coach, if you haven't been through that yourself, if you haven't survived through that type of a downturn before or learned to thrive through that downturn before, then I would strongly recommend that you go seek out information on the University of YouTube or Google or books and read about some of the people who have. Um, if you're an individual, you know, certainly you have the potential to do that as well. And, and I believe that Brian is right. I will say something else too. Brian and I both follow a, a brilliant gentleman by the name of Scott Galloway. And I'll paraphrase. He says something to along the lines of, it's amazing how long it takes for things to change and how quickly it happens. Meaning, if you wait until things fully change until their next business cycle, um, it's too late. It's too late. If you're a business, it's amazing it's how long things take and shocking how fast things happen. That's it. It's amazing and, how long and, things take. Yes. And the shocking is the part that, you know, so whatever in the economy or shifts in the body politics, they take, you know, uh, you know, I think we're under a, a political shift at the same time. It's, you know, you, whether you're on the left or you're right, you, you know, it happens to your respective parties. You put up with the BS from one party for so long, for so long, for so long. And all of a sudden that pendulum starts coming down quickly. And, you, and you saw what happened uh, in, in France yesterday, uh, that the, the conservative party led by uh, Jean-Marie uh, Le Pen, or Marie Le Pen, uh, got 238 votes in their in their uh, seats in their house. And why is that significant? Well, in 2011, she got 11 seats. And then 2017, she got, uh, she got 238. And the, uh, the, the government there has basically changed over overnight. Although the, the uh, what's his name, Macron is still in charge. The, the people just had, they had enough of the promises, enough of the rhetoric, and that darn pendulum just swung all the way over. And we might see the same kind of thing here. So when you're talking about economic plans and we're basing, I base, you base, we base these plans on certain premises and all of a sudden the guard changes and the rules change, what, what happens? What happens if those changes are not in favor of your ideology or your financial benefit? You know, what, what, what hey, do Brian. you do that? Yes, sir. You know, it not, not, you're referencing 2011, uh, appropriately so, but, but isn't it also, you talk about shocking, 
didn't she? She actually just lost in April. Last in in year. April, no, not last year. In April, yeah, she just lost to him. She just lost to him. If if you look at people in 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 our country, um, but, right, uh, wrong, or indifferent. But but, but uh, three four months later, of uh, inflation, gas prices, and more yes. and more and more exactly. rhetoric and more rhetoric, and the people said enough enough yeah and, does you know, that sound I, familiar yeah it, it does and again I, I my party is america i want what's best for america but you know so we we, we may very well be seeing shift here as people are saying okay I, you know i believe in some of the things that we're talking about windmills and stuff like that but i can't put gasoline in my car and now you tell me go out and buy an electric vehicle that's going to cost me eighty thousand dollars i sure as heck can't do that the infrastructure is not ready i need solutions and i and i think it's a healthy discussion instead of us being against one another in venues like clubhouse or in, at the at the cooler us getting together and saying we demand more from America. we demand you, you, you guys took over the your respective offices, whether you're Republican or Democrat, senator, congressman, president, vice president. You volunteered for the job. <laughs> you volunteered, right? You raised your hand and said, please, please, please pick me. I'm going to solve the problems. I don't want to hear it's Putin. I don't want to hear it's Trump. I don't want you're there now. Get to the business of solving our problems. And I don't want to hear about the blame game. I can't, David, I, you and me, I can't get away with blame in my job. Oh, I'm I'm here. I I volunteer work. every freaking day for my job, and if I if the boat hits the rocks, it's because of me, and that's and I I want that from our our mayor. I want that from our governor. I want that from our president. I want the same kind of hey, I got this this job, and here's what I'm going to do. And when when one party controls all three houses, it's time to. Well, you can, because those people, those pesky voters, they're going to get angry and they're going to go in the opposite direction. We don't want to see that because, it's, again, it's shocking how amazing how long things take and shocking how fast they can happen. And I, I was shocked by what happened in France for no other reason than what, David, what you just said. In April, uh, while Le Pen did well, she didn't win. Uh, all of a sudden, she took a majority of their control of the government of France uh, yesterday. And by the way, as we all know from this country, the, the, the he or she who, who holds the office of the presidency um, is not who's in charge. It's just not the reality in a democratic nation, typically. So for us, you notice that you've oftentimes had a president who would like to get many things done, but it requires that the House um, pass a resolution uh, and then it has to be approved by the Senate. And uh, there's the problem. So, uh, you know, think, think, fact, David, think, think, think back. Think back when Bill Clinton got to be president. First two years, he goes in there and he's going a little bit too far to the left. And uh, in the middle of his term, his second year, in comes uh, Gingrich with his, uh, 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 what do they call that, uh, recommendations for America, contract with America. And they take over both houses. And Bill Clinton hires Gergen, a right-wing conservative, and he says, you don't have to go to the bit more to the right than you are. And Bill Clinton does that, and he goes on to have six, well, five pretty good years uh, uh, as, as a president. And think of what happened with Trump. Trump gets in there, he wins. 
and he, he got a little bit too loony and moved to the wrong way. And and uh, midterms, they 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 gave him a good a good beating. I think we're going to see the same thing happen here uh, in November. And so I guess that, you know we've got four minutes to go, not to get off on, on politics. The, all the best pl- laid plans can go in the wrong direction with changes. And there's some massive changes right now going on. I think we're seeing an economic shift. And it's, you know, I do think it's about time that people get back to business, get back to work, get back into the office, get back to making a difference. Uh, I I think the party is over right now, the party that we've all enjoyed for a long time. I wanted to share with you something that was in the messages in the back chat with uh, Ramon Ray uh, said, uh, Brian is absolutely scaring me. These calculations are nerve-wracking. Now, I bring that up. For a really good reason, Brian, you mentioned that you want your president, you want your governor, you want your mayor. But the truth be told, we also want our employees to have that same mindset. Well, of we, want, we want our managers to have that same mindset. And, you know, for people like Ramon, who's an independent business person, you know, you have to have that mindset. You know, he, he is exceptionally positive as a human being. But it's not easy for people to shift into discomfort. It's not easy to pull out a spreadsheet when the spreadsheet doesn't have numbers that look that appealing to you. That's not easy. But, but we're telling everybody today, write it down, telling everybody today, what happens in the midterms um, is going to impact you, but it shouldn't. Uh, meaning it is going to impact something or some things in the way things are done in this country. What gets passed, what doesn't? What happens with interest rates? What happens with fuel prices? You have to figure out a way to win no matter what. And I was mentioning to somebody over the weekend, we've all seen football games that ended on a, on a call that one team thinks was a bad call by the ref and it benefited the other team and they won. And the thing that great teams learn is they don't complain about that bad call. They don't blame that bad call for losing the game because truth be told, outproduce the problem. You should never put yourself in a position where a ref is going to dictate the outcome of a game. You should never put yourself in a situation where a government, where an election, where a shift in the economy is going to completely change the outcome. What will you need to adjust? Yeah. To Brian's point, you got to constantly adjust. But if it if it causes you to lose the game, you just had a bad plan. So well, it's, you, it's, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. and, and the reality is, you know, it's like I, I, David, I resonate with a doctor. When I go to the doctor, I get on the scale. He says, "Hey, Ben Stock, you gained fifteen pounds. What's up? You know, this isn't you. you lose the weight." It, not not one is. Well, you know, you're getting that a little older. It's okay. No, no. What the hell are you doing? You know, we can fix I'd that. Love that. Yeah, the, the, and, and I, I, I many years ago, I, I I went to a nutritionist. I love the guy. He was that guy, and and uh, I, I I sent my wife to the nutritionist. And she, I hate this guy, and it was the same because I, I went there and I, I lost like two pounds. And, and and if I had stuck to the diet, he knows I should have lost more. And he says, "Hey, listen, you're not uh, out of shape. You don't need me. I don't need you. I got I, I'm booked all the time. If you're going to waste my time, do, do me a favor. Don't. I don't need the." $50 a week for the, for the visit. And uh, it's just not, if it's not important to you, it's not important to me. And I, I, he shot me right between the eyes with that. I love that guy. I l- absolutely love that guy. And so, you know, sometimes you got to shoot straight with people. We've got a, a tremendous 
a bunch of forces coming together at one time. They could see uh, asset accounts get cut in half. They can, can see interest rates go 10 plus percentage points, 10 plus percentage points, not where we're at now at five, six. Uh, and you've got the potential to see oil seven, eight, nine dollars unless somebody uh, with control takes control. And, you know, so you've got to, you know, if you're a pilot of your airplane, those things may not happen, but you have to take into account what if they do. You've got to be out ahead of the plane. You know, those those guys that get out ahead of the plane, what if the weather changes in front? Do I have enough fuel to get to? And which airports? You've always got to be thinking along those lines and not not worried, but thinking, okay, if this happens, I can do that. If that happens, I can do this. And, and that's, that's really my message would be preparation, right? The, 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 the six P's, prior preparation prevents poor performance, the six P's. So let's get those six P's out there and let's prepare. You know, the three little pigs, we all know which pig did better. So let's build your foundation uh, on something solid, not straw. It takes a little longer, but you'll be happy when the storm comes that you're sitting in that uh, cement or that brick building. Brian, thank you so much. As always, I appreciate it. Raylan, thank you as well. Raylan, you want to uh, wrap it up? We're at the top of the hour. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you thank all you. For, for joining the conversation, David and Brian. Amazing as always. And, and for us that are all in this room, it's a great opportunity, especially for me, to learn from the two of you. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.